you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Speaker to the pulpit. I can't call them guests because they're residents here for the time being. I, of course, if you were here this morning, you know we were blessed to be able to uh, dedicate uh, one of their eight children to the Lord, and uh, uh, number three, as a matter of fact, and they still have about five more to go to fulfill that prophetic word that came forth this morning, and uh, uh, we love the Tapias so very much, and uh, appreciate them and all that they're doing for the kingdom of God, and we've enjoyed them being here with us, and uh, they're not necessarily leaving. I'm sure they'll have gaps in their schedule that they'll be here with us in the middle of their travels, but over the next little while, their ministry is going to be in a transition mode. I want to help you kind of understand a little bit of of what they are doing before they come, and then, of course, I ask him to clean up my mess that I make tonight in trying to explain to you the process. We have become very familiar with church planting here, and we're very familiar with uh, missions. And uh, this is kind of a hybrid of the two uh, that is called Metro Missions. The idea that we have, or the the model that our church has been involved with in uh, helping to uh, establish Lebanon, uh, CLC Lebanon, has been... um, a little different model where uh, it is a daughter work, meaning that we are sending uh, all the people and funding resources and everything that is needed to get Lebanon uh, off the ground and to to get Lebanon moving. And uh, gradually, uh, as the church grows and as God prospers the church, uh, it is able to stand on its own. But when we're really wanting to reach the world, I'm not sure where the percentages are today, but the vast majority of our churches are in rural areas while the vast majority of our people are in our metro cities. And uh, Minneapolis, of course, 3.5 million people. That's a lot of people. And uh, it takes a lot of churches to be able to reach 3.5 million people. And the Lord laid a burden on uh, the Tapia's heart to go to Minnesota, be in his home state. Um, He has home field advantage there. And uh, to go there and to establish and start uh, a church. Metro Missions looks a little different in that this couple goes into this area to start a church and uh, they don't have people. Uh, they're not starting a church siphoning off of other churches, but they're going there to start a church. And so we are committing our support to them, our prayer support to them, and our financial support to them uh, because we're going to be uh, we're, we're going to be helping them. Who knows, maybe maybe when they get established, we could get a group of young people together and go up and spend a weekend and, and have a... Doesn't that sound like revival? You don't have to go across the ocean to be part of missions. And so we can help them in many ways, and we intend to do that. And we intend to do that. 
and uh, I pledge my support to him sometime back and uh, once again tonight pledge my support and our support as a church to them as they go uh, so we are going to, to be helping them financially helping them with prayer and uh, helping them any way that we can uh, so they will be traveling over the next several months uh, as they are uh, sharing their burden and raising their budget that is needed to be able to go there so when they go they're not bogged down and and worried and wearisome trying to start a church uh, we're going to help them churches across the country are going to help them to fund the mission that God has called them to so that when they get there that every day that they are working toward planning a church when we were in one of our missions trips, the, the model that they were using, uh, the missionary told us that if they could fund a, a church for a short, a very short time, that through Bible studies and all of the things that the pastor would do, that they would be able to plant a church every three months. That's amazing, every three months in that particular field. Here in North America, it may not be every three months, uh, but we're, we're, whatever it takes, some plants, some water, but God gives the increase. And so uh, Brother Tapia is going to be talking to us a little bit tonight about his burden, his passion, and then just preaching to us. We loved him so very much. Sister Tapia, of course, is a resident here and grew up here in this church. And so we just feel like we're... We're just, they're just an extension of what we are doing here, and we're going to be part of that with them. I want you to put your hands together and welcome them as they come to minister tonight, whatever they have for us. God bless you. We love you, Brother Tapia. Take your liberty. Let's clap our hands to the Lord and just give him a good praise tonight. Give somebody a high five and tell them the Lord is good. God bless you. You can be seated for a moment. Thank you for standing. And I do, uh, first of all, want to give honor to uh, Brother Jordan and thank you for your kindness to us. Uh, when I first rolled into town, I guess it's been about 14 years ago, I uh, did not imagine where things would where this would end up, as Lee Stonking would say, where all of this would go. But the Lord has been good to me. The Lord has blessed my life. And this church has been such a blessing to me, Brother Jordan. You've been a blessing to us, to our family, uh, your kindness, your, your support, and uh, your faithfulness to us. And I thank you for that. Thank you for your ministry, uh, Brother Danny, all the leaders of this church, Brother Brandon. Thank you uh, for your work, your labor. And my family's been blessed, and I thank the Lord for that. Amen. And uh, thank you for your support for this church, for all of you that have said a kind word, that have prayed for us, that have uh, blessed our family. We thank you for that. Those of you that uh, might have disciplined my wife, thank you for that, for straightening her out. No, I'm just kidding. Thankful for my mother-in-law's here tonight. She'll straighten me out after the service if I'm not careful. Praise God. Amen. But God is good. And I want my wife to come and just uh, leave a word of testimony, whatever she feels on her heart. And uh, we had a wonderful service this morning. Thank you for praying for our baby. I know she might be a preacher. I don't know. She's already. Praise God. There we go. Amen. Praise the Lord. It is so good to be here, of course. I always enjoy being here at home. I do think my daughter was trying to steal the microphone from Brother Jordan earlier. Whether she's a diva or a preacher, I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe both. It's so good to be here. There is just no place like CLC, the worship, the music. I promise you my kids and I talk about, wow, there really isn't another church that I can think of that has the same music that Frankfurt does. We're just so blessed. You are blessed with the best. We're good. We're just so happy to be here and be able to feel the presence of God. 
I'm going to share our burden with you. Thank you for investing in me as a kiddo. I'm pretty sure I didn't get disciplined because I think I was pretty awesome as a kid, right? <laughs> so I think he was very wrong off on that. But I'm just thankful for all of you, Sister Paula, for always putting up with me and Cindy. And There's been a lot of people here that have really poured into my life over the years. And I am very thankful and blessed that you are still a part of my life and still pouring into me with words of encouragement. I'm, we're just blessed to be here. I'm excited for what God's going to do. Praise God. As Brother Jordan said, we are, we are going to be Metro missionaries to the great city of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we are very excited about it. And God has opened the doors for us to go. Uh, we are going to be traveling, raising our funds. And uh, thank you, Brother Jordan, for uh, partnering with us. You know, we're, we're, we're going to be raising funds in, uh, for the next, we have our schedule for the whole year of 2020. We're going to be in 30 different districts all over the United States from uh, British Columbia in January down to Louisiana in March. And we'll be in Arkansas in June. We'll just be all over the United States. And we're hoping to partner with 400 churches uh, to raise the funds to go and be fully funded for five years that we could raise up a self-supporting church that will in turn plant other churches and do the work in that city. And we're believing that God is going to help us to raise up a church. Amen. And I have a little video I'd like to show tonight. If you would, uh, please play that for us at this time. Amen. Thank you. My name is Jacob Tapia, and I'm a Metro missionary to the beautiful area called the Greater Minneapolis Metro. And in the midst of this beautiful city is a great need. The Metro area in Minneapolis is home to more than three and a half million people, and it's expected to grow by more than 300,000 in the next 10 years. It is a city where 23% of the constituents say that they have no religious affiliation. That's close to one million people. There's a great need in this city. Our burden is to spread the gospel into the greater Minneapolis metro area. We have a vision to raise up an apostolic disciple-making church that will reach the lost, disciple believers, plant churches, and train leaders for ministry. Would you join with us in our burden? Here's a couple ways you can join us. First of all, join us in prayer. Help us intercede for this city like Jesus interceded for Jerusalem. Secondly, we ask that you'd partner with us financially. Uh, your one-time donation or monthly commitment will help us to get back on site and do the work that God has called us to do. We're asking God to give us partners and fellow laborers to reach this harvest field. Help, Help us plant a church in greater Minneapolis. Amen. Didn't my family do a good job on that? Boy, they're looking good. Amen. I think... I think my daughter, Anissa, I think she might actually be an usher because she's got that eagle eye, you know, watching the cameraman. But we are excited. And I was thinking, I was telling Brother Jordan, you know, we have to raise 400 partners. But you know what? I believe God's going to help us with that. I've never, I've never raised that kind of money. But, you know, when you got Brother Bernard, well, praise the Lord. And when you got Lee Stone King calling, I want you to raise the money. And when Donald Trump's on your side, let me tell you something. We're going to have a huge success. You know what? How can you go wrong, right? Amen. Stand with me if you would. Praise God. We'll try to bring this back to the Lord here. Um, but we thank you again for your support. Thank you for going with us. We're believing that God is going to help us to reach this city. Amen. We appreciate your prayers and your giving and your support. Amen. Uh, turning to the book of Psalms. We're going to Psalm 127. Psalm 127, and I want to read the first part of this scripture. Some feel that this psalm was written for the building of the second temple 
and it was uh, originally penned by Solomon, but the point of this particular text being that everything depends upon the blessing of God. And so the scripture says, a song of degrees for Solomon, except the Lord build the house. Look at your neighbor and say, except the Lord build the house. Now turn to somebody else and say, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Lord Jesus, we love you today. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the message that we heard this morning. Thank you for everything that's going on in this service tonight, the singing, the worship, the praying, and the giving. Lord, we ask you, God, speak to our hearts now in the remainder of our time together. Have your perfect way, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody, give them a hand sanitized fist bump, and tell them the Lord is good. You can be seated. Praise God. You know that we all have business to attend to. My mother was a stay-at-home mom growing up, and if anybody would have told her and asked her, I mean, well, what do you do all day, you know, just sit around the house? Raising five kids at seven, nine, finally nine total, homeschooling us, raising us, taking us to church, doing all those things. Now, my dad obviously worked out of our house, and, but my mom had a job to do. And I can remember helping her do the laundry at 12 years old, and she was a good administrator. She, she taught us how to iron and then said, okay, now there's a big pile of clothes on the iron. Before you can iron one piece of clothing, you have to iron three pieces of clothing of everybody else. So I learned how to iron clothes at a very young age. I learned how to do the dishes. I learned how to do things. And my mom ran the house, and she was very good at it. But all of us have a work to do. All of us have something that we need to be involved in. And the Bible says that God, in the beginning, we find our connection to Him as the Creator. He is working in creation. He is creating and Adam being made in the likeness and the image of God himself, part of us that God has put inside of us is our ability to work, our ability to labor, our ability to create. And the Bible says that Adam was given a job in the garden, and that was to keep the garden, to build up the garden, to name the animals. And God gave him a reward and a blessing, and that was eternal life. Adam, as long as you are in the garden, as long as you are obedient to me, as long as you are keeping our relationship, then you're going to have a great blessing. And we know that there is a great reward for our labors. We all, most of us, have uh, worked a job. And my first job, I was 15 years old. I worked at Magic Walk. And I was working there in the Chinese restaurant, and Mr. and Mrs. Chin, they would come up and say, you work too long. You take too long breaks. No, only 15 minutes. You not get longer than that. And I remember that job. It was, it was a rewarding experience to get the paycheck. How many enjoy those paychecks? How many enjoy putting that money in the bank and having a little cash in your pocket? And so we understand that work and labor gives us personal fulfillment. We feel a sense of purpose. And if you've ever lost your job, those of you that have worked full-time jobs and you've lost your job, you, you know that feeling, that dread, how am I going to take care of my family? How am I going to provide for them? But we also understand that our work gives us recognition and reward. You ever won an award? Someone says, hey, you did a great job on your, on your work and thank you for doing that and we want to honor you. And it also gives us an ability to make a difference. How many of us have uh, contributed to something, a charitable offering, or we've, we've seen even this building. This building has come because people have worked and God has blessed their work as they have given to the things of God. It is a blessing from God. And so God gives us the ability to make a difference through our work. And Solomon in this particular passage is, is credited as the writer of this 
chapter in the Bible. And Solomon, better than anyone else, understood the value of our work as humanity. But he also understood that work has limitations. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 is a record of Solomon's work and diligence. And he records how he has increased his wealth and possessions only to recognize that they would slip through his fingers one day into another man's possessions. How many of you parents, after that car had about 200,000 miles, you gave it to your kids and now your kids are driving that car? Okay, one person. All right, praise God. How many have driven a car you got from your parents before? How many of you ever had that experience? Okay. You know what? When they bought that car, they go, man, this thing is great. And now, over the years, our kids use our things. Why? Because our labor in itself can be meaningless. And another person is going to inherit that. And the more we strive and reach and the more hours we work and the third and fourth jobs that we have to keep up with the Joneses. Oh, hallelujah. It's going to get tight already. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm not going to touch your jobs. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hurt anybody here tonight. But here it is, the writer says in Ecclesiastes 2 and 22, For what hath man of all his labor and of all the vexation of his heart? wherein he labored under the sun. For all his days are sorrows, and all his travail is grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This also is vanity. In other words, if you're tossing and turning, if you're working all these jobs and you're striving and you're trying to get ahead and you're trying to, to just work all the time and your heart is vexed because you can't relax. You're always thinking about your job, always thinking about your money, always thinking about what you have to do. That is vanity because he says there's nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, that he should make his soul enjoy in his labor. That this also I saw, he says, that it was from the hand of God. If you're striving, if you're always under stress, if you're always having to meet the deadlines and always pushing and striving, he says, sometimes you need to sit back and relax and understand I'm blessed. God has been good to me. I don't need to strive and, and always try to push to get ahead. Sometimes I need to rest in what God has given me. And the Bible teaches us that godliness with contentment is great gain. And so we know that in all of our human labors, we must recognize the hand of God in everything that we do. And so the writer says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. That builder. This is a similar word to Genesis 2.22 where the Bible says that God fashioned a woman out of the man. And thank God he fashioned her very well. Hallelujah. Adam, when he saw Eve, he said, whoa, man. That's how we got the term woman. I don't know. That's, I just made that up. But this is the same word where God is building. He's fashioning a woman. God was building for man to bless him. And so we understand that when he, the writer says, when the Lord, except the Lord build the house or do the work, he said, they labor in vain that build it. Or in other words, those who are building, those who are toiling, it's just empty. It's empty work unless God is building your house. You see, if God doesn't intervene, then our efforts are futile. You know, I've tried to do some ministry things in my life over the years of ministry. I've tried to put some things together. And as an evangelist, there have been times when I've thought, you know, if I don't preach, I'm not going to eat. So I need to get this, I need to get some things moving. And I started making some phone calls, and I started reaching out, and I started pushing and pushing and pushing and texting and calling and, and working my contacts. And, and I thank God for that. That's the only way you can survive in ministry or anything else is to work hard. But you know what? There was a point where I was stressing over it. I was anxious. I was filled with anxiety, and nothing was working out, and I was getting depressed and discouraged. At the, at the end of the day, I felt the Lord was just telling me, calm down. You do your work, but then let me do my work. 
You put in your time. You put in your effort. But then let me do my work. And you know what? The things that I tried to do, the things that I pushed so hard, and I thought this is the way it's going to happen. This is how it's going to be. God said, you know what? That's your plan, but I'm going to have my plan. And when I perform my work in your life, I'm going to bless you. And you know what? It might have been a call that came from an unexpected source or maybe another door opened up. I don't remember every situation, but here's what I know. If God is not in it, then it's vain for you to push forward and strive and struggle and try to push and anxious and always struggling. But you know what? I've seen this in relationships. I've seen people saying, you know what, this is the person for me. I just know it is. And godly counsel says, don't do that. Don't follow that relationship. Go, don't, don't go down that road. And the family's against it. Say, why are you doing this? This is not right. But that person says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow. This is what I want. And the word of God's against it. The family's against it. Godly counsel, pastoral leadership, authority is against it. But that person just pushes through. This is what I want. This, and you know what? Things seem to be working out for a while. But the end of the story is a destroyed relationship, a broken marriage, a wounded spirit. Why? Because when you fight against God, you can work as hard as you want. You can strive and push and try to make it work. But in the end, it will all be vain. We see this illustrated in Acts 5. The apostles were doing great miracles in the name of Jesus. And the religious leaders were angry and they tried to stop the work. And they put the apostles in prison and they beat them. But in Acts 5 and 34, the Bible says, There stood up one in the council of Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among the people. And he commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. And he said unto them, You men of Israel, take heed. Be cautious about what you are going to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thaddeus, boasting himself to be a somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves. He was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After these, this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. And he also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men. Leave them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, then it will come to naught. But notice verse 39. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. Here's the point. If something is of man, it will come to naught or to nothing. If it's just the fruit of man, it will wither and die. And there will be a scattering and a dispersion. It's like cockroaches when you turn the light on. That's what's going to happen to somebody who is of the counsel of man. Someone who tries to do things on their own. It's like a rogue ministry. And now we're, everything's, you know, all, all this rogue and everybody wants to go rogue and be rogue and go on and do your own thing. Isn't that our culture? Isn't that what people say? Oh, you can't trust the government. You can't trust authority. You can't trust anybody in leadership. You just need to go rogue and do your own thing. Because when you do your own thing, it might, yeah, it might, it might break all the rules. But you know what? What's at the end of the day, whatever's best for everyone you know, it's all going to work out, so therefore, you can do whatever you want. And you know, I've seen ministries like that. Well, I don't need a pastor. I don't need godly authority in my life. I don't need anybody to tell me what I do because I've got a ministry. I've got a calling. Oh, hallelujah. Just pretend like I'm talking to just somebody else over in Minnesota or somewhere. Praise God. You know what? I operate in the anointing. You know what? That may be true. But if God takes his hand off of you, if God lifts his anointing off of you, it doesn't matter how great you think you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how much ability you have. When God takes his hand off of you, you will fall. And so we must be careful in our labor. We must have the right attitude and a humility. Humility. 
and understand that if I'm not careful with my life and with my walk with God, with my ministry, with the things that I have, that God can lift his hand off of me in a moment. But if this is true, that when God takes his hand off you, that it doesn't matter how hard you try, nothing can protect you. If that's true. If it's true that unless the Lord builds your house, you're going to fall, you're going to fail, you're going to struggle. If that's true, then the opposite is also true. That when the Lord builds your house, there is nothing that can destroy your house. Praise God. It was in Deuteronomy 28 and 13 that the Lord said, I'm going to make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and thou shalt not be beneath if you hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. When you obey the commands of God, here's what's going to happen. God is going to elevate you. God is going to make you the head. God is going to put you in places of authority. God is going to lift you up. And so what happened? God began to bless his people. He began to bless this little tiny nation, this, this land of Israel, only half the size of Lake Michigan. It's the 100th smallest country in the world, just ahead of El Salvador. This little tiny nation is home to a representation of the Jewish people for thousands of years. And relative to its size, Israel is the largest immigrant-absorbing nation on the earth. It has absorbed 350% of its population in the last 60 years. Israel is the only country to revive an unspoken language and establish it as its national tongue. It is the only country or people or nation in the world that has the same name, is located in the same land, and speaks the same language as it did three thousand years ago. Israel has a 100 billion dollar economy that is larger than all of the neighbors surrounding it in the same land that is right there next to them. It has the highest standard of living in the entire Middle East. Why? Because one day God spoke to a man named Abraham and he said, get you out of your country and come from your kindred, Genesis 12 and 1, and I'm going to show you a land and I'm going to make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And you know what old Abram did? He said, okay, I hear your voice. I hear the command. I hear what you're saying. You're saying, come out. Come out. Follow me. And Abram began to follow the voice of God. And God put his hand upon this man. And he began to bless his family. And he began to bless his children. He began to bless his grandchildren. And he began to bless that line of godly people. And despite wars, despite evil leaders, despite the Holocaust with six million people killed and a tyrant Hitler trying to destroy them, despite displacement, despite the nations on every side trying to destroy them, when the Lord builds your house, there is nothing that can tear it down. There's nobody that can destroy it. There's no nation that can kill you when God God builds your house. There is nothing that can destroy it. Let's clap our hands and praise God for that today. Hallelujah. 
I've come here to preach to somebody tonight. You've heard the voice of God. You've heard him speaking to you. And God has begun to build you and to bless you. And you're going through some trials right now. But God is saying, don't you worry about the trials. Don't you worry about the voice of the enemy. If I've built you up, there is no devil in hell that can destroy you. There's no bankruptcy. There's no financial things that can destroy you. The enemy cannot kill you because when I put my hand upon you, I'm going to bless you. God's will is to build his people. You can be seated. God bless you. Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says he gave some apostles and some prophets. Uh, Verse 11, and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting. Look at your neighbor and say, are you perfect yet? God's trying to perfect us, to build us up for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God wants to build us up. So how does he do that? How does God build us up? We're not Abram. We don't live back those 4,000, however many thousands of years ago. But God has a way of building his people. And he does it through the church. The apostle comes with authority and speaks into our lives. The prophet begins to foretell and foretell what God will do. The evangelist proclaims the good news. The pastor, the shepherd, begins to labor among the sheep. And the teachers instruct and help us learn God's ways. Why does God do this? Because God is building a church. God is building a people. You know, if you'd go to a construction site, you would find a lot of skilled laborers. And I know we have skilled laborers in this, in this place. And I'm just amazed. Every time uh, I would look at this building and see the things that are happening, it's just amazing to me. There's people that are foundation layers, the cement and the brick. And, and I remember when they were building this platform, and they had about 14,000 two-by-fours that were all stuck together. And uh, I remember seeing those guys build the, the foundation of this platform. And you know, there's carpentry. There's the electricians that are up in the, in the rafters hooking everything up and all these lights that are up there. You know, I, I would get just electrocuted. I would just be a big flash of burning light if I tried to do all of that stuff. And then you've got the finisher, the person that comes in and they put the detail things in. And maybe you don't think about it, but all of these carpet tiles are laid out in a certain line, and it's very straight. Somebody that had a detailed eye did that. Some of you, I wouldn't want you to do these carpet things. You know what? You'd get distracted. You'd be off. We'd have a line going this way and that way. But thank God for the detail people. Right? Praise God for that. But you know what? They're all trying to build a house. They're all trying to build a building. They're all working on the house. And you know what? God brings people into our lives to build us. I thank God for the apostles. I thank God for those apostolic apostles that are not afraid to say, we're going to start something and we're going to make it work. I thank God for the spirit of the apostle that says, this is the direction we're going to go and there's nothing that's going to stop us come hell or high water. I don't care what's going to happen. This is the plan of God. I thank God for the prophets. I thank God for those that you are used in the prophetic. And how many of us have had, had those kind of experiences where God speaks prophetically to the church and then God speaks to us as an individual? I thank God for the prophets that speak. And now, some of us don't like you got those beady-eyed prophets. They walk in there, you know, half the church stays home. You know, praise God. You know what? We shouldn't be afraid of the prophetic. We shouldn't be afraid of that because God is trying to build us. God doesn't bring the prophetic ministry into our lives to hurt us or destroy us. It's to edify or to build up the church. Praise God. 
I thank God for the ministry of the evangelists. Even in my own life, the last couple of months, I've had two evangelists that have called me and prophesied to me and said, you know what, you're going through a transition and you're getting ready to go to a big city. They didn't know where it was, but they prophesied, not knowing what we were doing, not knowing that this whole Metro Missions was in the work, but God was confirming it. Jacob, I'm building something in you. I'm doing something in your life. I thank God for those in my life when I was uh, several years ago, uh, I, I, my pastor uh, that baptized me walked away from truth. He was, he's not in truth anymore. When I was 12 years old, he left our church. I've always envied people that had a pastor that had baptized them and worked with them and that had been long time in ministry. And they could say, you know what, my pastor prayed for me. My pastor uh, came and visited me or my pastor did these. I've always envied people that had that because I never had that in my teenage years. When my pastor left the truth, uh, it, it was a void that came into my life. And, and for the next couple of years, I had several different pastors and we began to move. And my dad pastored for about a year and then I went uh, to Bible school and had different pastors after that. And so I realized... I needed to put people in my life. I needed to have people in my life that could speak to me, that could talk to me. Well, Jacob, you're an evangelist. You, you know, you've got your own ministry. You don't need all that. No, no. I need people like that. I need people in my life to say, you don't need to do that. You shouldn't do that. And here's what I found. I found that people like that, spiritual leaders, godly authority in my life, have never stopped me from making a godly and a right decision. They've never stopped me. But they have stopped me from making some very bad and terrible decisions that could have destroyed my ministry. Praise God. I remember going to one of the men, Brother, Brother Dugas. I was going through a transition in ministry. And I was broken. I was hurting. I was discouraged. I was frustrated. I was angry. And I, I said, Brother... Brother Dugas, and he's passed away now, and he was with me for about 18 years. I, I looked to him as a, almost a father figure in my life. He was at my president at Bible school. I came to him. I, I feel like I just need to take a break from ministry. Brother Dugas, I feel like I need to just take some time off and just rest, and I, I'm stressed out, and I'm burnt out, and I'm just not where I need to be. And, and he said, you know what? You take a little time off, but you stay in the race. Don't you give up in ministry. Don't you stop. Don't you quit. You know what? Sometimes I think our pastors step to this pulpit and there's something in their heart that says there's people in this room today that are thinking about quitting. And you may hear a voice. You may hear some things. Say, well, that, that doesn't really jive with me. I don't know. But you know what? That's God saying, don't you give up. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. Don't you stop. God's trying to build something in us. God's trying to develop something in us. I thank God for pastors. I thank God for Brother Jordan. I thank God for Pastor Danny. I thank God for the pastors in this church that are not afraid to step to this pulpit and say, here's what God is saying. Here's what God is wanting to do. Why? Because God's going to build his church. And you can either get in it and say, Lord, build me, strengthen me, develop me. I may not like it. I may not see it happening. But, Lord, I know you you're leading me. I know you're directing me. You can say, God, build me. Thank God for our pastors. Thank God for our teachers. I thank God for that Sunday school teacher I had, Sister Lear, teaching all those crazy wild tapias. And she taught me about the things of God. Folks, I'm preaching too long. i got to get you out of here. we got fried chicken waiting on us. Hallelujah. But here's what I'm preaching to somebody. That God loves you enough that he pulled you out of darkness. But he didn't pull you out and say, okay, you're good. He said, I'm going to build you. I'm going to develop you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you something beautiful. Because when we came to God, when we first came to him, we had a lot of junk in our lives. We had a lot of attitudes. We had a lot of problems. We had a lot of hang-ups. But God said, I love you, but I'm going to build you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to develop you. And so God develops us. He blesses us. He strengthens us. I remember hearing a story about Brother Mahaney. You know Charlie Mahaney. I love to impersonate him. He's such a guy, you know. 
Hallelujah. Charlie Mahaney. I was so ugly growing up. Anyway, you don't need to hear all those jokes again. But you know what? I, I, I love Brother Mahaney. He's just so real. He was so raw. Heard about a story one time. He was preaching. He learned over to the pastor, and he said, Pastor, you see that guy running the aisles? This guy kept running the aisles. He said, Pastor, that guy's got a devil. Hallelujah. Pastor said, what are you talking about? He said, that man's got a devil. He said, well, go ahead and take care of it. So that man was running the aisles. He came around the second time. Brother Mahaney just dove off the platform and tackled the man and cast the devil out of him. Hallelujah. My God, devil, get out of this man. Could you imagine being tackled by Brother Mahaney? Praise God. <laughs> oh, Lord. Grease stains all over it. No, I'm just kidding. Praise God. But you know what? I was in Lebanon, Missouri doing an internship. And I heard Pastor Thornton, Elder Thornton, he began to tell me about how Brother Mahaney in his early years, before he was known all over the world preaching and doing his great ministry, before he did all of that, he was a young evangelist and he, would, he was living in Lebanon. He didn't have any place to preach, didn't know how he was going to make ends meet. But Brother Thornton told me that he said, you know, Brother Mahaney would come to the church and he would pray. He would come every day seeking God, praying, asking God, help me in my ministry. Do what you want to do in my life. And you know what? Before there was a great victory in his life, God had to develop some things in him. And when God got done developing his foundation, God began to bless him and build him up. And I remember brother, his son preaching here, Brother Nick Mahaney, preaching and doing the work of the ministry. Why? Because many, many years ago, somebody said, I, I, I need the church. I need the church to develop me. I need God to build my house. I want God to do some things in my life. You see, when God builds your house, there's nothing anybody can do to destroy it. Some of you say, well, you know, I've already done something. I've already let the Lord done some, do a work in my life. I want to speak to somebody tonight and say we need to continue allowing God to work in us. I remember seeing uh, a webcast and a few weeks or uh, maybe, I don't know, about four or five months earlier before I watched this webcast, there was a man, a, a preacher that had fallen into sin, a moral failure. And he had lost his ministry. He was a, a well-known speaker. He's one of the top speakers. He's preaching conferences, very, very mightily used of God, but he had a moral failure. And there he was sitting on the back row. And I watched as a pastor begin to preach and minister. And all of a sudden, here came that man that had fallen, and it looked like things were destroyed. It looked like he would never do anything for God again. But there he was walking to that altar and lifting up his hands and saying, God, I need you. I want you to build me again. I want you to work in my life again. You know what? I believe in the grace and the restoration that God can bring into any person in this room. You see, the condition is allowing God to work in our lives. If we will follow Him and obey Him, God will do the work that He's calling us to do. I wish you'd stand to your feet with me right now. I'm closing. Musicians, come. Magicians, anybody. Praise God. Here's what I've tried to say tonight. That God is building his church. God is building his church. Look at your neighbor and tell him God's building his church. So in closing, I want to invite two people to come to this front tonight. First of all, those of you that need to surrender your life to God. Those of you that recognize tonight, you know what? I'm not letting God work in my life. There's some areas in my life where I'm holding back. There's some, there's some things in my life that I have not given to God. I'm asking you tonight to come and surrender your life to God. Surrender that place in your life to Him.
Maybe you've been trying to build your house. Maybe you've been struggling and striving. And everything you do just doesn't seem to lift you to where you need to be. It's time to surrender to God tonight. It's time to surrender to Him. There's some families that need to come tonight in just a moment. You, You need to come and you need to say, God, build me. Build my house. I've been trying to do it on my own. I've been trying to do it through my own resources, through my own talents, my own giftings. But Lord, I'm here to surrender to you. And secondly, I want to call those of you that have put your life on the altar. You've made some commitments to God. But there's some questioning right now. Maybe the enemy's come in and he said, you know what, I'm going to tear this thing down. Those dreams you've had, those visions, those callings from God, I'm here to tear those things down. Maybe some of you need to just walk to this front as a sign of commitment. God, I've heard your voice. I believe you're building me, and I'm going to walk with you no matter what comes my way, no matter if sickness comes my way, no matter if the enemy destroys, tries to come against me. I am going to walk with God. So if that's you tonight, if you need to surrender your life to the Lord, or if you just want to come and say, God, strengthen me, continue building me, I'm going to open these altars for a time of prayer right now. If you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to come. God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Maybe there's a young person tonight, you want to make a commitment in your heart. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to let God build my house. Maybe there's a young family that's here, and you want to say, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, build me. God, build me. God, strengthen me. Right now, in the name of Jesus, let's seek Him for just a little while. Let's let the Lord speak to our hearts today in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Let's... In your image, wash me white as snow. Purify this heart of mine. Lord, I'm giving you control. Let me be a vessel, one that's worthy to be. Make me in your image, make me more like you, make me in your image, wash me white as snow, purify this heart of mine, Lord I'm giving you control, let me be a vessel. Let this song be your prayer now.